0: Hello and welcome to Comedy in a Nutshell. You know, comedian Bo Burnham once said, Comedy is very strange to me and I don't fully understand its purpose or function. I agree with that sentiment and in an effort to better understand comedy, this podcast gathers the great and the good in comedy to see if they can understand it for us. I love talking to comedians about comedy and if you like to hear what they have to say as much as I do, then please like, subscribe, rate, review and share the podcast. Thank you. My guest this episode was once described as having funny bones and an easy warmth on stage. With this genuine warmth, she makes emceeing appear effortless and her twenty twenty show Contender received a difficult to secure best debut nomination at that year's Leicester Comedy Festival. It's stand up comedian Fiona Ridgewell. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good.
1: How you been? Perfect. <laughs> Lovely.
0: And <laughs> let's jump in. Yeah, cool. Lovely. So when did you first encounter comedy in, in your life? Do
1: you know what? I was thinking about that this week because I think it might be coming up like 10 years since I started doing it.
2: Wow.
1: Oh. Yeah, so a bit of a milestone. Hmm. Um, I think like towards the end of this year, beginning of next year, I'll be like 10 years, so nine years really. Mm-hmm. But before that, I don't think I had ever seen any live comedy right. before I started doing it. Hmm. Um so my first experience of a comedy club oh actually that is a lie (laughs) one one show i saw because my friend joey page who's another comedian we went to school together
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and um he invited me to come and watch him at a club called top secret
2: yeah
1: and i watched him and i was like wow and um and he was like you should give it a go and i was like oh okay then (laughs) <laughs> and then I just gave it a go. So that was the one time <laughs> and then just threw myself in. Um, hmm. Aside from that, I'd only seen like the odd DVD of like Lee Evans. Right. Um, I remember my sister had like Alan Carr's, I think it was called The Tooth Theory. Yeah. His show called that and I watched that and I, I loved it, but I never thought I would end up doing it when I saw those.
0: Yeah. So how was it when you f- tried it for the first time?
1: Well, I was a bit, sneaky I did a little course first yeah um so that gave me the confidence to get up there I think I think without that I don't know if I actually would have done it I think (laughs) that that sort of gave me the idea that even if you go up and one person laughs it's not been a failure so (laughs) which now I'm like well it still is if only one person (laughs) laughs um but yeah, at the time I just made me go, okay, so nothing can go that wrong. And it was just nice to have this sort of free opportunity to perform because mm. I'd always been into like acting and stuff and dancing.
2: Yeah.
1: But with those, you're constantly auditioning and hoping that someone will allow you to perform. Mm. Whereas with comedy, because of open mics, um, you can just get up and start. Yeah. So that's what I liked about it. Well, there's
0: a few things in there. Let's talk about your course. What course did you go on?
1: So there's um, another comedian called Kate Smirthwaite. Yeah. She does a course, and I did it with her. Mm. Um, And she was great, and she's always been really supportive ever since. Um, So, yeah, I think maybe there was probably about 10 of us, Mm -hmm. and I think I'm the only one that's carried on.
2: Oh, really? Okay.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people do it, and they're like, right, I've done the showcase, I've had my taste of it. Mm. I'll never do it again and then other people are like I'm doing it and I'm doing it forever. Yeah. Um but yeah I think it's one of those things a lot of people like to tick off their bucket list. Oh yeah. I've done stand up comedy. I don't need to ever do it again.
0: <laughs> so what's the what was the impetus for you that keeps you going?
1: Um I think just like striving to get better I think because yeah. where I used to dance you're always trying to sort of reach for perfection. With dance, but with comedy, you can never get it perfect because you could think you've got your set perfect. You can have the gig of your life, yeah, and then the next day, or even sometimes the same day, you go to a different room, yeah, and the audience are like, "What's this about? Isn't it (laughs) funny?" It's so like it's not that sort of um like binary where it's like could be a a death or like you smash it, but there there is a point where sometimes. I've done clubs where they've got an upstairs and a downstairs, and you do downstairs, you're like, oh my god, yeah. I am, I am good at this, <laughs> and then you go upstairs, you're like, oh no, no, I'm not. Thank you for reminding me. There's still work to be done. <laughs> um, so yeah, I quite like the fact that you're always tweaking it, and um, and also I think it's the only place where you're really like pulled into the moment. Right, you can't really think about the past or the present you just have to be in the room with those people on that day in that moment and what happens happens yeah. and that's an experience between that hundred people that can't be like it, it, you can't make it happen exactly that way again sure yeah. and I like that about it
0: how does it make you feel when you like you said you, you can smash a set And then you'd basically do the same set again, and it's you get a completely different response to it.
1: Yeah, I think, I think at the beginning, that's harder Mm. because your initial reaction is to go, Well, it's because I'm not good at this. Yeah. And you doubt yourself. Whereas Mm. I think when you're gigging so regularly, you have enough in the tank to go, Well, this has gone well enough enough times for me to know I'm not insane to be doing this <laughs> even though that 50 people have just looked at me like I'm crazy I know it isn't because the past 5 gigs have been enjoyable and and had a nice response yeah. so I think I think that's why comedians are always like you have to gig 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 because that is your like evidence
2: yeah. to
1: yourself that no I'm I'm good at this I, I don't need to be validated by every audience. Right. I just have to shake that one off and come back yeah. the next time. More relaxed and more present, I think. Yeah. I'm a bit wanky sometimes, Mark.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, if you can't be wanky in a conversation with me, then when can? Yeah, do <laughs> you know what I mean? This is what I want to hear. <laughs> you mentioned acting and dance. You studied dance, didn't you? Is that right?
1: Yeah, so I did a dance degree yeah. um for three years at Chichester University and then I did a year in like musical theatre.
2: Right.
1: Um, but I'm pretty much tone deaf. So that was that dream <laughs> dead in the water. <laughs> I had to let that one go. Um there was not enough evidence for me to think, no, I am good at this. It's like you are not good at this. <laughs> um
0: That's a long way round to find out that you're not right for it to, well to oh my god
1: I'm i yeah I well the dancing I was but the singing and I had so many <laughs> singing lessons and I even got hypnotized and um, for stage fright I went to like Harley Street and got hypnotized Mark, like I am wow. insane sometimes um and I was still like why can't I sing I've been hypnotized <laughs> I just, it's just not it's not in my wheelhouse I can't um <laughs> So, yeah, that was unfortunate because that was the dream. Fair enough. So, you mentioned
0: 10 years in comedy. So, I think it was 10 years ago. Weren't you in a Doritos commercial? Is that right?
1: Oh, yeah. I did a little Doritos commercial. It was where they were all, um, oh, what do you call it? The mariachi bands. Is that right? Yeah. You know, yeah. with the big sombreros and that. Yeah. Um, I actually did an advert recently for something mm-hmm. and um, it's, it's like an online advert. So, because I think a lot of people are doing that now. Cause, yeah tiktok and instagram and everything's so huge um but it's an online advert and uh, someone who i used to do comedy with called me and he was like i'm doing this advert i'm like producing it directing it yeah. and i've got this part and i just think you would be perfect for it like when i thought of it i was like this is fiona I was, like, <laughs> he was like can you do it and i was said like, i can do it yeah absolutely i turned up he put me in a wheelie bin (laughs) that was the part I had to pop out of a wheelie bin so he's written down like bin lady and been like out of all the hundreds of people I know who would be Fiona Fiona Ridgewell she's made to be put in a wheelie bin (laughs) I nailed it I nailed I haven't seen it to be fair but yeah so I spent half the day crouching in a in a wheelie bin it's not that glamorous (laughs) <laughs> it sounds like it is when you're like i'm, do- I'm on tv i'm doing adverts i'm yeah. in a wheelie bin
0: yeah the glorious glamorous yeah. world of entertainment wonderful
1: exactly got to take it where you can
0: uh, tiny sidebar many, many years ago before you were born when I was doing drama. Oh, right. I, uh, I had to write a, a short play and I wrote the play about, basically it was a courtroom drama, but the, the, what was on trial was The Seven Deadly Sins. It's a very hacked premise, but it wasn't fun. And I got uh, one of my oldest friends. He, I wanted him to be the judge and he had insisted he would only do it if he was standing in the bin. Well, well, <laughs> it was very well, Beckett, you know.
1: Well, so, could the audience see the bin, or was that uh, yeah, behind?
0: Yeah. No, no, that right. was his, that was his, uh, like, um, I don't know what the podium, I don't know what they call it in a courtroom.
1: Oh, I see, he was right. In yeah, the bin. yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, it's very
0: Samuel Beckett to be setting in. And also, bin it's part, quite right. a
1: bit of artistic direction from the actor to be like, I know this is your concept and your writing, but put me in a bin for no <laughs> reason whatsoever. Yeah. And we won't mention it. Yeah. Did you let him do it?
0: Oh, yeah, of course.
1: Oh, my.
0: <laughs> I'd said if anyone says, Oh, that's an interesting metaphor, I'll just say, Yeah, 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 I'll just agree with
1: you. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a it metaphor.
0: Was. Yeah, I Got... came up with that all along. Yeah.
1: Lots of deep underlying meanings that you will never understand. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, just what it's been a bit. Don't know why. There you go.
1: To be fair, a lot of the times when I go and see films and stuff, if people are like that was amazing, I'm just like, Oh, maybe I was too thick to understand that one. <laughs> so I just would have walked part walked away from your one, being like Wow, I bet that bin thing was really like inventive and meaningful, but I didn't get it. Never nah. mind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so with well, your your blossoming career in comedy, you did uh, all the competitions. So, so you think you're funny? Joker's Joker thing? Some...
1: Yeah. So I did some quite random ones because I think the big ones are like the BBC Comedy Awards. Yeah. Which I don't know if I've actually ever entered. To be fair, um. But yeah, So You Think You're Funny, I did that. That was in, everyone was like, you have to do it within your first year. If you don't, you're cheating. You're cheating if you don't (laughs) do it within your first year. So like three months in, I did, signed up for So You Think You're Funny. And then later on down your career, there's like people doing it who are four years in and you're like, oh, I could have (laughs) waited. I could have got further in that, couldn't I? Um, And then I I had an unfortunate one as well with comedy. It was called Comedy Nights and it had been going for years. And um I got into the final of that and on the day of the final, the venue, all the air conditioning units broke or something, and they couldn't do the final. So I still list oh. that one as a final because I got through I did all the stages, yeah. Like, you know, the heats, the quarters, the semis, got into the final and then we never actually got to perform the final. Yeah. Um
0: so technically you won. Then.
1: Yeah, we can say <laughs> I won. Actually, I should probably just say that winner <laughs> on. I should, I, well, yeah, I'm going to change that on my next Edinburgh poster. <laughs> and then um, the most recent one was um, Funny Women. Yes. Uh, I was a finalist in that. But again, another weird one because um, it was in COVID. Yeah. So we did the final and we did it at the comedy store. But all the audience was, because it was still, I think it was in like the September. Of 2020, so yeah. it was still really at the height of what was going on with COVID. Um, so all all the audience was made up was industry professionals,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so reviewers. Uh, I don't know if there are any agents there, some TV people. Yeah. So you are pretty much, and then it was being filmed and like live streamed out.
2: Yeah.
1: But that that was, I sort of enjoyed that more, in a way, because it was like. I just have to perform this like this is the best gig of my life.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Whereas I think if you're, if there's 400 people there, there, yeah. there is the chance that that could not go your way. And it's clear because <laughs> there's yeah. silence in the room. Yeah. Whereas this time I was like, oh, this can't go badly. Cause no one can say I died because there isn't an opportunity to die. Cause there's not enough people to be <laughs> laughing almost. So it was, it was quite um freeing that experience.
2: Yeah.
1: But um still would have been nice to do it in like a live I think they normally get to it in like the Bloomsbury theatre and stuff so that that would have Mm. been nice but hey-ho still (laughs) a good experience
0: (laughs) well they say the comedian feeds off the energy in the room but I suppose if you're not expecting anyone to laugh it's kind of liberating yeah you just have to bring
1: your own yeah Yeah, exactly that is exactly how it felt it was like well I just have to enjoy myself (laughs) and imagine that these people are too and there would be little like titters but obviously when they're um and because it was it was also like social distance yeah so in the comedy store that normally seats 400 people there was probably like 15 people watching us if that and then the other girls who were also in the final
2: yeah
1: and we weren't gonna laugh at each other (laughs) (laughs) i'm lying we did we did very nice environment (laughs) (laughs)
0: so how do you find um competitions in in general i mean obviously you've mentioned there you've had uh, live in the room you've had the zoom version how is how is being competitive with your peers
1: i don't like it no like genuinely i don't like it i think um comedy is changing so quickly now so when i started you had to enter them because if you wanted to be seen by an agent or a TV person, Mm. you needed to get into those finals to be seen by the right people to get to the next level. Whereas now with TikTok, Instagram, it's that your videos are spat out to so many people. You could Mm. just fall on the lap of someone now. So I don't think they're as necessary now. But the reason I didn't like them is I think it stunts your growth. I think everyone's like aiming for this perfect five minute set. I have to get my five minutes for this competition. It has to be brilliant. This five minutes has to be punchy. It has to be that. So everyone becomes like this. A lot of people become short joke writers to get as many jokes into that five minutes as possible. But actually, I think over a 20 minute, if I'd allowed myself, I probably would be more of a storyteller and more conversational. Mm. And I think for years, I was like, no, I have to be a joke writer. I have to get these joke, 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 joke. Mm. And then when you get to 20, you're like, I'm a completely different comedian to what that made me sort of be for the first five years of my career. So that first hmm. five years, we almost work towards something, which there are positives because it does get your writing tighter. It gets your presence up.
2: Yeah. But
1: where I'd done acting, I think I had a little bit of stage presence. I don't really need that bit. And, and also it gives you that um, that feeling of pressure being in competition because right. there is an an instant outcome um but yeah I think if I was starting now I probably wouldn't enter as many of them I probably wouldn't bother with them to be honest <laughs> 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 I don't know if that's the right or wrong answer but I think it. I think it should be a a personal thing and I think yeah unfortunately you look around you go well everyone else is entering them so I should enter them because that's the way to do it right but really when you look at successful comedians There is no right or wrong way to do it. They've all got there through very different ways. Yeah. So that's that's my thought on competitions. (laughs) Have you ever gone and watched one?
0: Yeah, yeah. I've watched a a few. I've seen. Um, I saw this year's Funny Women on online. It was streamed on
1: on. uh, Okay. How did you feel watching them? Like, do you feel more nervous for them? Do you feel like there's more? Because there is always energy in the room of comedy, isn't there?
0: It's funny because. For me, and I think most audience members, it's just a mixed bill.
1: Right. You're just seeing
0: a mixed bill. And at the end, oh, someone's like crowned, but that's kind of a separate thing.
1: Yeah. The audience
0: don't see it that way as a a panel of judges would see it. The panel's looking for something new, something different, or whatever they're looking for.
1: Whereas there are competitions, I can't remember which ones they are, to be honest. Mm. But sometimes, oh, I did one, Golden Jester. I think I got to the final of that one, actually. And the audience are given voting forms right so you are the judge you are the audience and you are given a bit of power yeah. like I can't remember what the percentages of how much the audience votes count but yeah. you are meant to tick what you think of people and I think Ugh. Leicester um Lester Square new comedian I think that does it yeah because sometimes people turn up and have got 40 mates with them <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah <laughs> um which, fair dues, if I had 40 mates, I'd bring them.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, this is it. If you give an audience a vote, they just pack it. They're friends. It's like having yeah. a, a clapometer kind of scenario. Yeah. I so applaud the loudest. I said, well, well, I brought more people, so.
1: Yeah, I've got a good friend. And I remember texting him and being like, oh, my God, you're in the final. Congratulations. It was like, Fiona, I bought 35 friends to send me. <laughs> <laughs> I like, oh, mate, well done. Um but he's a good comedian, but he was just so honest about it. He was like, Yeah, I just bought me mates.
0: Yeah. Well, competition of another sort then. Uh twenty twenty, as you already mentioned, finalist on funny women. But at the beginning of the year, pre-lockdown, Leicester Comedy Festival, you were nominated oh, yeah. for Best Debut.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed that actually. Yeah. Because again, that was another weird one in that so you fill out an application form to perform at Leicester. Yeah. And my friend Maddie Campion, who's a comedian, mm-hmm. she's really good at knowing everything when all the deadlines are like she's like fiona have you done this you need to do this fiona you're applying for lester we need to get our applications in <laughs> great maddie so we sat in like a five guys and did the applications and um i'm like computer illiterate so she's like literally doing mine and i didn't know there's a box that you can tick which says do you want like would you allow the judges to come in, basically? Mm. Do you want to be judged? Yeah. Which I would have said no to. And she just ticked it. So I didn't <laughs> even know that that was even an option, to be honest. No. So then um did the show. And it was just one of those where I don't think the show was fully formed, to be honest. Um It was about, I was doing um boxing at the time. Yeah. I was training for a white-collar fight, so it was a lot about that and the people that I'd met on that journey and why I thought I was doing the boxing and all this stuff.
2: Hmm.
1: It was just a really nice group of people in the audience, and I think we just all had a real laugh together. Um, And then when the nominations come out, I started getting messages saying, oh, congratulations, and I was like, what are people talking about? (laughs) So that was a, oh, but I was actually like that one. I think I shed a little tear because I was like, "Oh, that's really nice mm. to be acknowledged." Um, because I'd never really written an hour show, so yeah, for someone to be like, "I enjoyed her across a full hour," because that is just you holding that hour together.
2: Yeah,
1: um, was I thought was really complimentary. I was, I think that's probably one of my like proudest ones so far. Really,
2: yeah,
1: um. And because it was so unexpected, as well. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah.
0: I was talking to someone just recently um, about Leicester versus Edinburgh. Yeah. As a performer doing Edinburgh, you would do a week, two weeks, or the whole month.
1: Yeah, Edinburgh is just a different beast. Yeah. In the the amount of pressure you feel because you've put so much money in it. Yes. Like you've put time, you've put energy, but also financially, most comedians go up there knowing. This is a big loss, mm. so something has to come out of this. Because I remember early on speaking to um, a comedian that was doing really well, and I was like, "Oh, well done! Like you've sold out the whole run. Like that's amazing." Mm. And he was like, "Yeah, but I'm still at a loss because even selling out with all the PR, with your director, with the accommodation, with the uh, money for the venue, mm. it's impossible for you to make your money back." the only way you make your money back is if you get some big work off the back of who might come into that show when you're up there. Yeah. So it's a, it's a big risk Edinburgh. Yeah. Um, And yet we all keep doing it.
0: (laughs) Well, that's, that's the question. There's a few comedians I've spoken to who are now saying that they're not bothering with it anymore. Do you think it's, do you feel like it's pricing performers out of the, out of the market kind of thing?
1: Yeah, I do. And I'm the idiot that's still going up there this year. (laughs) Um, But, I'm again I'm not gonna I've decided now that the reason I do comedy is because I really love it and enjoy it yeah so I'm not gonna make it this massive stress on my life so I'm not gonna go to one of the what they call the big four venues and pay thousands of pounds for it so I've got quite enough do you ever go up to Edinburgh oh yeah yeah I guess you do Yeah. yeah yeah okay right so I've been given the banshee labyrinth the Chamber Room. Oh, I
0: love that
1: venue. Yeah. So I really like the venue. It's at 10 past one in the afternoon, which mm. I'm a bit like, is that all right? But also, I did around six o'clock last year, mm. and that was so competitive because people have already bought their tickets yeah. to see the big shows, and everyone debuts at five, six o'clock. So I feel mm. like one o'clock might actually be quite nice because that it won't be too competitive for comedy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and. um the only thing is people haven't had a drink. So there may be the, the response isn't as you've got to work harder for the response, I think. Yeah. Or you just have to know that relax into this because it's might be their first show of the day. Yeah. They haven't had a drink. Um, well, they might have had a drink. This is Yeah. This is Edinburgh yeah, talking yeah. <laughs> I'll probably have had a drink. <laughs> um. They
0: won't have had too many drinks. So yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> But, yeah, so with that, that's a free venue. So I'm not losing anything on the venue. Um, I'm going to get the accommodation fine. And then I now work as, like, an admin assistant for a PR company. Mm. So I'm going to see if they can sort of help me write press releases and just sort of try and do it on the cheap. Uh, Because I want that deadline of having to write a show and to write a show that I'm proud of mm. and also to have that month to to make it better and and refine it. Yeah. Um but I don't want to feel how I have other years where you get you walk in the room and you're like, oh there's six people here. So yeah. today I've lost because that's not a good way to start a show. Cause in yeah. your head, you're not in a I've got to make these six people laugh. You're going, Well those other forty seats equate to x amount of money and i'm this amount down now yeah whereas if you're in a free venue every day it's like oh there's 10 people here oh well you know
2: yeah let's
1: enjoy that i've not lost anything i've can learn something from this and go again tomorrow
2: yeah
1: um so yeah but it is is a big uh mental gym for a a comedian (laughs) i think edinburgh it does build resilience definitely (laughs)
0: You said that you do comedy because you love it. You know, it costs a lot to mm. do big, big festivals like this. But do you feel, because you're a professional, that it takes some of the, the joy out of it?
1: What, do in Edinburgh?
0: Yeah. Do you think comedy loses its joy when it is your profession because it's, you have to deal with the admin and the everything else? Do
1: you know what? It's funny you should say that because I've been thinking that recently and this is a conclusion I've come to. So for a while I was doing it on its own. Mm. and um and i was going everywhere and anywhere and so you're you're making the money but then every gig you're like this needs to go well Mm.
2: because
1: i need to get booked back here because i need the money Mm. so then this job came up and i can work from home and i was like you know what that takes the pressure off it that means that i can go to every gig yeah and i can become a better comedian because i'm not I'm not going to a gig and going, someone might be here and they might have an opportunity for me. I'm going there and going, right, let's have a good gig tonight, enjoy it. And if something else comes out of it, great. If it doesn't, no harm done. Whereas I think that desperation when you need it is um, sort of detrimental to your performances because an audience can sense a desperation and it's hard to leave that in the green room, like, um Hmm. so yeah it is a weird one um and that but that's probably just my thing on it and and that also might come down to parts of my personality of like (laughs) making everything so make or break when really it isn't
2: yeah
1: like I I think because I've had gigs where like agents have come to see me and it and I thought oh my god if this happens like you get carried away with yourself don't you like Oh, they come see me if this happens. <laughs> I'll get X, Y, Z, and then my life will be sorted. Yeah. And then they go, "Actually, you're not ready yet." And you're like, "Oh fuck!" Well, that's that done. Mm. Um, when actually, not every gig is like that, and things, good things that have happened in comedy, have happened when I've least expected it, and I've not really been chasing it. Don't know if that really answers the
0: question. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it does. I think you can. I guess my answer would be that you can, you can fantasize about a lottery win, but you don't plan around it.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that is. Yeah.
0: If it comes to you, it comes to you, and and it's welcome, but you can't rely on
2: anything.
1: Yeah, and you, I think so many people in comedy, um, and I was guilty of it for a while. Mm. You see what other people get, and you're like, I have to get that because that'll prove that I'm good at it. Like live at the Apollo. Mm. So many comedians, are like, I have to get on live at the Apollo. Like I'm chasing live at the Apollo, but actually. If they stop, they probably notice there's loads of other opportunities that could have been coming up. Yeah. Like if they'd written a script, they might have got that into a pilot. Or, But they're so focused on, now, oh, God, get that 20 for that live at the Apollo, that they just miss all the other things that could have happened. Hmm. Um. And also, I think sometimes you get so locked into something that it's like that doesn't carry the same weight anymore. Like when you used to get live at the Apollo, the reason it was like, wow, is because... Off the back of that, you could sell out arenas because the viewing figures, because everyone was watching television and they all had four channels. Now, yeah. people have got yeah. streaming services. People are watching content differently. So they're looking at small clips on TikTok and Instagram. Yeah, People can do live at the Apollo now and still not manage to sell out a Soho run. Like, it's yeah. a different beast now. And I think because comedy is a long game, you can start 10 years ago and be like, right, that's the goal. And people don't move their goals, but actually you need to move it because things are changing continuously.
2: Yeah.
1: That's what I think.
0: <laughs> so when you go into like for example, your Edinburgh run this year. Yeah. Do you go into it with objectives with what you know, I want to get X number of five star reviews, I wanna get this out. and do you have targets?
1: I'd I'd wanna get reviewed. I wouldn't ever be like, I wanna get five I wanna get this amount of five star reviews because like you said, it's objective.
2: Yeah. Like
1: or they could come into a bad show. I remember me and my friends we did a split show about five six years ago and um we read it was like a review from almost sort of like a studenty person like but when you googled my name it fucking come up right at the top <laughs> my mum made sure she told me she was like you seen that review of your edinburgh i was like no she was like i'll read it to you <laughs> um and it was like it basically said um Fiona Ridgewell might be the most boring person I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then it went on to my friend afterwards. And it was like, no, <laughs> I've just found the most boring <laughs> like, thing.
2: It,
1: oh, it was brutal. But then me and my friend who'd done the split show together, I can't remember what they'd said in it, but we could literally pinpoint the day that they'd come in and we were like, yeah, fair. There, we were the most... <laughs> on that day, that that review is apt. But other days, you know, you walk out and people are like, Oh my god, you were great. Oh, I'm gonna tell my yeah. friends to come. So it's a really difficult thing to, to be reviews because they might yeah. just come in on a day where things are just a bit off for whatever yeah for whatever things in your personal life. The wrong people are in the crowds, you know. Yeah. You just Yeah. So I'd never put that as an objective. But I think, yeah, just to, I think for me, my objective is to just go up there with a show that I'm proud of and that I enjoy performing for that length of time and that means something to me. I think, I think I want people to be able to relate to it. Um, And yeah, just the being able to write a a through line of a show and to have it sort of resolved because normally I just sling all my stuff together and hope that it makes sense to someone. And I'd like to give it a bit more thought this year. But I've never mm. done an hour. So it's it a new challenge for me. So just, just doing that, I think, mm. is, a, is a goal in itself, I think. Yeah. I don't know, maybe I should be more, what do you call it, you know, when people are really like planning, they're like, I'm going to get this, this and this out of it. I'm like, oh, I'll just see. I'll just see. <laughs> Who knows? For funny women i got quite a nice review so that was mm-hmm. nice um and i did one in brighton and the guy was put a really nice review in mm. and and so uh, there could be really bad ones out there but i haven't seen them so if there are mark don't bring them to my door <laughs> <laughs> but the one from like that edinburgh when it was yeah. bad yeah that definitely gave me a wobble because I was quite a new comedian and to say someone's boring. You're like, well, the one thing I can't be as a comedian is boring,
2: but right. like,
1: no one wants to see someone who's boring. And it was literally like, why does she think any of this is worth telling anyone? So that is, yeah, that definitely knocks your confidence. But yeah. again, for a comedian, the only way to get through that is to go, well, that's one person get back up on stage. And yeah, like the audience will tell you whether this is boring or not. And the majority of the time they don't yeah. um they, they they are like we're enjoying this mm. uh or even if not all of them are some of them are yeah. but another one that's renowned for that is like when you do the not only is it reviewers it's like when you do the comedy store mm. Um, when you're starting off and you have to do like your open spots you get um like taken into the room and sort of given your feedback to your face
2: oh wow (laughs) and it's
1: normally brutal Mm. it is normally and you just have to be like cool yeah i'll work on that thanks very much and it'll be like like one of the lines for me was um i really like you um we've got one problem you're not funny oh (laughs) jeez you're mildly amusing and I was like, well, Mildly Amused has had to work with them. It? So let's <laughs> yeah, crack on. But in the, in, the, in the moment, you're like, fuck, that is brutal. And you just have to like, shoulders back, chin up and be like, thank you so much. I'll see you in six months when you invite me back and you do this to me again. Like, it's, it's sort of like, comedy is a bit of a form of torture sometimes. So, um,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, what about um, hecklers? Feedback in the room, let's call it.
1: Do you know what I use? That's a one that a lot of when you tell people that you do comedy, they're like, "Oh my god, what if you get heckled? What if you get yeah. heckled?" And I'm always like, babe, the heckling is not the problem. Like, I wouldn't encourage it. I'm not encouraging people to heckle
2: because
1: yeah. you are like derailing the show to an extent. Yeah. But a heckle, it, if you're having a good time up there, a heckle's not a problem because Mark Simmons, who's a great comedian, he yep. told me this thing." which it took me ages to realise. He was like, Fiona, you got... Because when people used to heckle me, which I didn't often, but if they just shout something, I'd resent them. And I'd be like, you've messed this up for me Mm. because I was going to say this, this and this. And by doing that, you've stopped me from saying this, this and this. And that would come across that there was resentment from me towards the audience. And he was like, no, Fiona, what you do is you go up there with your plan. So I'm going to say X, Y, Z. I'm going to go through the motions of this. And anything that happens in the room overrides that. And that's fine. And that's a joy to be in. Like, it's not, you're not like, oh, for fuck's sake, I was going to say this. You're like, cool. Well, this has happened. So this is where we're going to. Yeah. And you just relax into it. And everyone's like, but you've got to be so quick. You've got to be so witty with heckles. No, you don't. You just have to respond to it as yourself. Yeah. Because people see a human and a human reaction. And they're like, that's funny because that's how I would have reacted to someone shouting your shit or whatever they shout. I don't even know what people shout. It's not normal. <laughs> the worst ones are when people are so drunk mm. that it's not either audible or it just doesn't make sense because that really derails it. Because if you were talking to a drunk person, mm. um, you would be like, how do I... You, you can't formulate sentences with them, really, can you? You can't formulate a conversation.
2: Yeah.
1: Because the worst one that ever happened to me mm. was, wasn't was a heckle. I had an Invisalign put in that week, like the day before, yeah. and then, so an invisible brace. They were like, oh, yeah, when you perform though, you just take it out. So I took it out for this gig at Glee in front of, like I think it was like 400 people. And as I started to speak on stage, I was like, hello, um, so I'm Fiona, and I had this horrible list, and I couldn't get rid of this list. So then I got really self-conscious, and I was like, oh, my God. I wasn't saying that out loud, but in my head I'm going, you've got a lisp now. <laughs> and so the room went completely dead flat because they could feel my sort of how self-conscious I was. Yeah. Um, And then I went out to the car park, and these people just went, you know, you were really shit.
0: Oh, Jesus. <laughs>
1: So they didn't heckle me on stage. They didn't have the balls. They waited till I was in the car park on my own. And what was mental about that is I'd driven to Cardiff to do 10 minutes. Yeah. You don't get paid when you do 10 minutes. So I'd driven like five hours, did 10 minutes, and then got called shit and then had to drive five hours back alone. And I remember wow. I was waitressing at the time. And uh, I'd obviously been at work like on the Friday, went, and they were like, What are you doing tonight? So I'm just going to Wales. And they're like, Cool. Okay, that's normal. <laughs> and then on the Saturday I was in work again. And they were like, Didn't you go to Wales yesterday? And I was like, <laughs> Yeah, but I'm back. I was only there for ten minutes. <laughs> such it's such an absurd life when you sort of really say it out loud. I remember them just looking at me like, Your life doesn't make sense to us, so we've got no more questions for you. <laughs>
0: Do you watch comedy the same way as a comedian, as a, maybe as an audience member would?
1: Well, I didn't really watch it that much before,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. um, but yes, and you have to be in the right mind for it. I think yeah. if you're like confidence is low, you'll watch comedy and you'll be analysing it, and you'll be like, right, so what are they doing? What makes them so good? What are they doing differently that I'm not doing yet? Whereas um, like, I did um, for math, actually, recently at Outside the Box. Mm-hmm. He got me to do 20 minutes opening for Rhys James.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I did mine and then came off. And then I watched Rhys do – he was doing, like, an hour. Because I'd already been on yeah. for, like, 20 minutes, I was relaxed and I could just sit and enjoy that. But otherwise, I think you are looking at stagecraft, joke writing, how they thread it together, callbacks. Yeah. Um, how they interact with the audience and and that does take you out of it so yeah i think that's why i don't know well obviously you've been to you've been to loads of gigs so you probably <laughs> have seen it sometimes where sometimes the audience don't necessarily laugh but you will hear like a laugh from the other comedians yeah um and it might be that we just really appreciate how good a joke that is but it just for whatever reason doesn't land with the audience but i guess you don't often hear the other comedians, like they're not laughing <laughs> all the time. Like you notice it when it comes from that sort of back of the room or Angel where they're all in that side alley bit. You're like, oh, comedians yeah. like that one. Um, so, yeah, I think it is It is difficult to, I think because we're always on as well, we're always trying to figure out how to get better. Yeah. So you are constantly analysing, yeah. So
0: when you got into performing live comedy, was there anything that surprised you?
1: Um it's it's really like bland answer. But the time thing, like mm. where people are like, if you're booked for five minutes, you have to do five minutes. You don't do like ten seconds less, ten seconds more, it's five minutes. And mm. sometimes people will um black mark you from a club if you do if you go over your time. I remember performing my first five minutes at the comedy store. And I wasn't yeah. worried about the reaction. All I was worried about was that it had to be five minutes. Yeah. Um, and even the whole thing now, like, it's like, if you're dying, yeah, even if you're, it's like the audience hate you, you're hating it. You have to go to your 20 minute mark. <laughs> like, <laughs> why make everyone suffer? Like, I'm sure they'd appreciate me not being here. But yeah, you just... <laughs> the time thing, apparently the time. And he's because even like, so my uncle runs a venue in near like Portsmouth way. Mm-hmm. And it's not, um, a, it's more like a theater. It's not really a comedy venue. But when the comedians, we started doing like mixed bill shows. And he was like, I am really, I really enjoy it. But um, they all keep looking at their watches like they don't want to be there. <laughs> and I'm like, no, they're not. It's not because they don't want to be there. It's because they don't want to overrun their time. So like, we don't care. And I was like, it's just a thing. Like, it's just the thing. It's like, well, we're going to get a big clock at the back so that they won't look at their watches. And I'm like, they'll still look at their watches. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've all got these massive vibrating watches on our wrist that basically go, right, you're on a two-minute countdown, wrap it up and get the hell off. Yeah, that never changes.
0: Have you had a moment that either has been the best moment in comedy, or you've just made like the, the horriblest mistake on stage? It's a, sort of moments that stand out in your mind.
1: Oh, that is a good question, but a uh, elating moment. Um, no, so I think there's like flickers of that, and there's no one that I'm like, oh my God, that stands out so far from the rest of the gigs. There's always like moments in gigs where you're like, oh, that was such a nice moment. Yeah. Um and I think now what I'm trying to do is like clip those up, maybe put them on my like social media if there's like a, a flicker of a nice moment without sort of burning material. So I'll put like my crowd work or something on on social media. Yeah. Um terrible moment. Probably that one in Wales, to be honest, when they shouted that, oh shit, but that was off stage, <laughs> but it was reflective of what had happened on stage. Um <laughs> Yeah, just those ones where they go dead silent. Like yeah. I cannot, I cannot handle that because there's like this feeling of like they feel almost like sorry for you, as if they think that it always goes like that. And you're like, it really goes like this, guys. Don't worry about me. I've got thick <laughs> enough skin to get through it. But because there's no energy in the room, you can't be playful with it. You just sort of go down with it. Yeah. Um, but they don't happen. That often now, I think because I'm more relaxed on stage, that, that's why you do your stage time.
2: yeah.
1: Because um, then you just become more of yourself on stage and you, you're you just like, oh, yeah, that wasn't that as fun as it could have been, but it wasn't <laughs> awful. Whereas I remember when I used to get nervous,
2: yeah.
1: and we well, probably know from being an audience member, but you can sense the nerves of someone and that would yeah. then make the audience tighten up. And then it it's just this horrible... <laughs> Not back and forth, just this flat room. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's still them that I I hate. There haven't been any. Oh, actually, no, There there is one stand-up one. I won't name the club, but I did a gig at a club and um, it was so rowdy. Like there was a stag do who were in the army. So, like double testosterone <laughs> at the back of the room, like 20 of them. Yeah. And uh, before I went on, they were having this, like, shouting match with the MC, right. and then it got to the point where the other audience members were like, get out. So they started arguing amongst themselves. Like, the audience started policing themselves, so like, get out, we don't want you here. And they were, like, <laughs> arguing back with them. And then I think from the stage, the MC thought that they'd been removed right. because I can't remember what happened, I think one got up and left. So he thought they'd gone. Yeah. So he was like, Well, was the stage? Fiona Ridgewell. And as soon as I got on, it started like, really kicking off again and the audience was shouting back and forth for each other and people were like, let her do it set. Let her <laughs> <laughs> And these blokes at the back of the room were going, no, I forgot. It was a horror. It was, so, it was the most sort of threatening environment I've... And this is like in a room of like 300 odd people. Mm. And it really It's the only time that I've been on stage and thought, This could actually turn into like a physical fight because people were getting so angry with one another. And the problem was that the rest of the audience were shouting for these people to be removed, but the club didn't have good enough security that they'd gone over and said, can you leave? The blokes said no. And they'd gone, oh, cool. Okay, no worries. (laughs) Just sort of let them. And that was that one. I still, and even in that one, Mark, I stayed on for my time. (laughs) (laughs) I was like... I was just basically this woman on stage just watching this sort of fight break out in front of me whilst trying to do jokes. And then in (laughs) the end, me just ranting at these blokes at the back. But it was weird (laughs) because it wasn't comedy, but the crowd were behind me because they were like, we don't like them. Like I was just (laughs) the one voice voicing the opinion of the, it was, it was awful. Yeah. And, um, (laughs) I vowed since that one that I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask to go back to that club because I just thought you, you have to give a certain level of safety to the audience and to the comedians. Yeah. Like when I left that one, one of those big blokes was outside and he called me a little cunt. So I was like, this isn't on to be, you know, and like, and yeah. and don't get me. Wrong, I've been doing this like nearly ten years, like I said. Yeah. And there's two occasions where it's been, it's been nasty, like. The one in Wales, which to be fair, I just thought, whatever. But yeah. that one actually was quite volatile, the one with the, the Stagdo group. Um, so it doesn't happen often, but when it does, you just go, right, what could I have done differently? And to be honest, the only thing I could have done differently there was refuse to go on whilst they were still in the room. But then right. you almost thought that it makes it look badly on me. But it was an impossible situation.
2: Yeah.
1: So yeah, that one, I just thought, well, if the, if the cup, can't provide that and that happens i don't know how often it happens but i I think it's happened before where because they just don't have the security and they need the security to be honest yeah because that's too many people on on a lot of alcohol and big if you're letting big groups in you need to police it a bit yeah exactly so yeah that one (laughs) we're unhappy with that one won't be going back
2: quite
0: right too how is it for you being a woman in comedy do you feel it perspectives are different either from audiences or from venues or from promoters
1: um yeah it's it's a weird because obviously i think when i started that was very much in the era of like it's one woman on every bill not every bill but like one woman like you wouldn't really get to meet the other girls because right there was very rare like i remember doing a club and it was like five men and me and that was quite often Mm. so um and you feel it in green room. Some, and, and the blokes are lovely. And I've got, I've got loads of bloke friends. But sometimes yeah. it is nice because there is still, I think, sometimes a, a subconscious bias with an audience of when a woman walks out, they go, oh, here we go. Mm. Is she going to be whinging about? <laughs> there is that. And until there's another woman on the bill, for a long time, you're like, I must just be shit. I just must be not good at this, and then all of a sudden you're on the room, you're on the bill with the other women, and you go, hold on, they're not getting the reaction they deserve. Why are they? Okay, so there is some sort of thing going on in this crowd, and I've only ever like visibly seen it um, twice actually. Right. Uh, where once I think it was in like Bristol, I did this Gong show, and it was like loads of comedians getting up, and as soon as I got up, this row of blokes got up and went to the bar like they didn't even let me say hello like they were just like she ain't worth watching um and there was another time in Liverpool where they said about me being a woman not being funny and it's like grow up like (laughs) you've got sisters you've got mums you look you're telling me you've never laughed with them they've never made you laugh about anything like yeah I I don't know what where that comes from like why it's even a thing but yeah I do I do think it is a thing and I do think now that when I'm on bills with other women um it is a nice environment for me because yeah you, there's just a bit of I can relate to other people on the bill but also in another way it's harder because like the men mm-hmm. you go oh shit we're all talking about the same things yeah. <laughs> We're all talking about Hindus and dating and what, like you know, like. Whereas when it was just me, it's like when well, no I was going to talk about the Hindu, they went on recently. and no I was going to because they're all blokes, they, they haven't got that in their wheelhouse. But now it's like, oh shit, what what are you going to speak about? Because I might speak about that. Um, so there are always like um pros and cons to everything, but I I'm definitely all for it. There's always this thing as well though of like tokenism and do we get things cause because we're a woman, right. um. And I I don't like that because I feel like you're not getting it. We were getting it because, like, someone once said to me, it's this pendulum theory, and the pendulum has swung so far one way, it now needs to swing the other way to come back to the middle. So we weren't getting stuff for so long because we were women. Mm. Now we need to get it because we're women, and then eventually you just get it. But no one's getting it because they're a woman, if you know what I mean. But
2: Mm.
1: at least the opportunities are there now. Like when it went to like one woman being on I think they did that on Mock the Week, didn't they? Yeah. That they had to include one woman on the panel. Yeah. But all those women are great. Yeah. All the women that I I would put them on there regardless of whether they're women or not, because of their content and because of their performances. Mm. Um so I th- I think that's unfair to say that people get things because we're women. Mm. So yeah, it feels it feels like you can't really win that one. Yeah. Do you ever feel that in the audience though? Do you feel like there's... Well, I, I don't. Or not really? I suppose, realistically,
0: if I went through the list of all the names of the comedians that I've seen, probably I would say more than half would be female. Oh, okay. Certainly more in recent years. But I feel right. like there are more female comedians, I say female com- comedians, who are women now yeah. than there were 10 years ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah. De- oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: Because I mean, but then, but my... my you know, my first rule is make me laugh. That's all I ask. Yeah. But um, again, I'm in London, so I don't know if it's a London, a metrocentric thing where there's a lot of venues, yeah. there's a lot of gigs. Whereas if I was in somewhere, they have like one club or one theatre. Yeah, like one a who, month
1: sometimes. I don't yeah. know who
0: they would choose to prioritise or who who their mm. motivation is to book. So
1: Well, again, so the gig that I did, um, that I used to run, Mm. And it was in like a small village. And I remember someone saying, Oh, all the women you bring here are really rude. They're really rude. Like the, <laughs> the comedian, they're, they're really rude. And I was like, They're not. But it was, it must have just been something that they had in their mind before mm. the comedian had even opened their mouth because they're not. And it, what was funny is like the bloke that had been on before had talked about his penis like four times <laughs> and no one had said, Oh, he was quite rude. But like, it's just this prejudice that they had in their mind yeah. that, oh, because all the women do, they're a bit filth when they come on stage. It's like, no, they're not. <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah.
1: And I really noticed it from a promoter, because I don't normally promote, but from the promoter side, I was like,
2: yeah,
1: oh, you are tougher on them. Mm. You are being, t- you do have this prejudice before they've even started. Yeah. And people don't know they have it.
0: Is it like a historical thing where you you've heard comedians talk about their dicks for so long? You mentioned one vagina no one's ever talked about it before, yeah you know? yeah it
1: must yeah just god knows taboo. but yeah yeah that's the last I've found it
0: yeah have you learned any key lessons that you always take forward from show to show a One, a philosophy or one lesson that you learned early on perhaps
1: um well the the old the one that everyone says is that if you're enjoying yourself the audience will enjoy themselves it took me ages to know that it's <laughs> like <laughs> so just do it right and do it well and they'll like you and it's like no what people thrive off is like you having a nice time and then they'll have a nice time. Like, oh, yeah. cool. Um, the one that Mark told me about go up with your plan, yeah, but don't be so rigid that you won't adapt to the room that you're in. So have the plan, but also go with the flow in the room.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and yeah, I think every time I just go on just before, I'm just like, right, just relax, be yourself, mm. which sounds, cause everyone's like, Oh, be yourself is the word advice but I know myself quite well so if I'm mc and someone says something to me I don't think oh god what would be a witty response mm. I just respond like I was having a chat with them and sometimes that goes well for me and other times people are like well that didn't really go anywhere but we just go right thanks for being here we move on to the next <laughs> bit like it's never the be all and end all yeah. and it, it they normally end up being nice gigs so yeah that really that's my philosophy those three probably
0: Fantastic well then finally the last question the question I ask all of my guests can you please sum up comedy in a nutshell?
1: I think live comedy is a group of people sharing an experience in that moment that will never be repeated and it brings you together because you all share that moment and and when you laugh in it the feeling in that room I think when a whole room comes together and laughs at one thing mm. I think it's just, it just builds a connection it's just connection isn't it but it's quite a joyous connection I think yeah yeah in a nutshell <laughs> that's it
0: fantastic well thank you so much for joining me it's been an absolute pleasure
1: yeah thank you for having me I really enjoyed it Look, I always sound surprised when I say I enjoy it, <laughs> but I had a lovely time <laughs> thanks Mark See take care soon. bye